That's real good. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another exciting episode of the 1111 Podcast. I am Matthew. I'm Simone. And I'm Donnie. And we're here for another great episode where we're joined today by none other than Christopher Wellington, a friend of the pod, a friend in life, and we're excited to talk to him about his journey today. But but Chris, thanks for joining us. Today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate y'all. appreciate you guys. Yeah, so for, for those at home, uh, we go way back with Chris, back to the University of Maryland. Shout out to the Terps. Um, but we know so much about Chris, uh, but there's so much that we don't know, um, especially as it relates to his professional journey. Uh, so I definitely want to start by telling us a little bit about what you do. What is it that you do today? Uh, so, you know, I basically, um, I'm an enter- entertainment attorney. I also do real estate law. So I basically do entertainment transactions with uh, producers, artists, writers, actors, uh, independent record labels, distribution companies. Um, on the other side of my business, I do real estate. So transactions with respect to commercial real estate, residential real estate, business transactions, trademarking, IP. So I do a lot of things that kind of go into um, the needs that serve my clients on the business side, the entertainment side, um, and the real estate side, and all those things that kind of intertwine. Um, but, yeah, I'm out here trying to change people's lives one contract at a time. That's dope. That's dope. There, I mean, you said real estate law. You said you do entertainment law. Those are two things that you normally don't hear, at least I haven't, her put together. So what is it about those two things that really gravitate to you that those are the lanes that you want to focus on? So, I mean, I always knew I wanted to be in, in entertainment, like from like way back, way back. I just wasn't sure what my place would be in entertainment. So originally, as you guys know, I used to be on the talent side of things. And, um, you know, that didn't pan out as well or as quickly as I wanted it to. So I kind of transitioned into, you know, how could I make a difference and still be active and be an important player in that entertainment space? Um, and I feel like attorneys have a lot of power to do that um, and have a huge control over people's lives and the directions that things go um, and their initial contracts and going forward. But um, it's really a niche market. You know, it's tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough to get in. It's not like, you know, there's a million people, you know, outside that rap, that mm-hmm. sing, that act and do all these different things. But if you don't make money, then your team can't make money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a it's a small percentage. They say something like five percent of entertainers actually make a livable income. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or, you know, so it's just like. When I got out of law school, my first opportunity was real estate. Mm-hmm. It was more readily available for me. I had family in real estate. I just kind of fell in place, and I tried to start learning those transactional skills that I can transfer from there into what I really wanted. So it was a lot of networking and things behind the scenes to get to where I'm at right now. But um, I learned the skills in real estate and the business side of things first. So when I decided to go and make my own practice, I took those skills, brought those and built upon the entertainment side of, side of things as well. Love that. Now, talk to us about the very beginning. You talked about um, at the beginning you were on the talent side of things. Um, when did you realize you needed to pivot? Um, and how was that pivot for you as far as realizing, okay, this is not working out. Um, let me transition into something else. Um, I made that decision real, real late. Mm. Like really, really late, like at the last, very last moment that I can make that decision. So mm-hmm. all the way through law school, I had like studios in my bedrooms, okay. like every college apartment I had had a studio in it. Like it was always there. Which is a fact. Which is a fact. <laughs> Which is a fact. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I'd be in law school and they'd be like, oh, so what kind of law you want to do? I'd be like, I'm going to be a rapper for real. <laughs> He's looking at you, you crazy. Know, this, this is my backup plan. Yeah. This, is my, this is my plan B, to be honest with you. And a lot of people are like, this is your plan B. 
because most people where I was at, that's right. their plan A. Yeah. Yeah. You'll go that far. So I came out, and when I got out of law school, I took like a year. Like I got a part-time law job, and I took uh, a lot of that time to kind of like really hone in on music one more time before mm-hmm. you know student loans was about to kick in and all that stuff. Right. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna give this. You know, this is this is it for me. Right. Mm-hmm. So I had like a team. We started a label. We had recording studios. We we're kind of just doing our thing, but um, things just didn't pan out the way we wanted to mm-hmm. for certain reasons. Mm-hmm. And um, when we had a moment it was about maybe like half a year, almost a year into let me graduating law school and I was doing that part time gig and it was just um we just kinda had a, a gridlock situation mm-hmm. and we just couldn't get things the way we wanted them and I just found myself in a position it's like, listen, student loans are here. I gotta do something to make money seriously and the part time gig's not doing it and um I just had to make the responsible decision at that point. Yeah. To take care of my responsibilities. So yeah. I made that shift. Yeah. And one thing I will credit with you with is you're always someone who's been laser focused and diligent on what you're putting your, your, your energy towards. Now, having been on the artist and talent side, is there any skills that you might have acquired, whether through collaboration or doing it yourself, that is transferable to what you're experiencing in law? And do you find it maybe as even more of a competitive edge now that you're you're practicing? Um. <clears throat> I think it's just, I mean, on the ground surface level, it's just like the grind, right? Yeah. Like I've always had like an entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, I just, even my father told me when I came out of law school and I was like work for somebody, he was like, you're not going to work for nobody. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, you're going to work for yourself. I already know it. And I was like, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? He's like, all right, that's where I'm at now. Yeah. So, you know, um, I just always had that grind and I just, you know, like you said, I just kind of want to achieve what I'm, whatever I'm kind of going for at that point. Um but what I'll say is from the entertainment side of being in the talent spectrum of things and then now being on the business side of things, I think it definitely gives me an edge because I understand what it is mm-hmm. on the talent side. Most people, when you have these artists that are young kids, a lot of the times, 19, 20, low, young 20s, maybe mid-20s, very rarely do you really have like the 30s and stuff like that. Um, unless you hove, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. You didn't get on until later. But, right. um, you know, when I have conversations with these guys, they can relate to me. I'm not like this like guy at the end of the end of a desk that's like, all right, paperwork, right. this is it. Mm-hmm. So I know that piece, but then, you know, I'm also relatable and can connect with my clients in, you know, in a different type of way. Yeah, and you're able to talk the talk because for them, you know, a lot of the friction that we hear on the outside is that because they don't understand the realities of it, they're not able to be able to talk the talk and be able to relate to them in a way that they'll trust you then more. Because right. trust, especially with a lawyer, I mean, we're talking from an entrepreneurial standpoint. But anyone who has and needs a lawyer, you want to be able to make sure that there's a certain level of trust. And so for you, especially in the the entertainment game, there's so much on the line for them. They're little careers, Mm -hmm. like literally, like you were saying, being able to know that your livelihood depends on this. Mm -hmm. So as a lawyer, is that something that you you believe more people should be leaning into, you know, being able to have lawyers? Because I'm not sure how many artists even are thinking about having a law relationship or someone that they can lean on in that regard. Um, I think that if you're going to sign a contract, whether you're in the entertainment space or you set up a studio here or mm-hmm. you're going to do some endorsement deals or whatever it's going to be, you should always have a lawyer look at your stuff. Because at the end of the day, like people feel, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, I can read this, I can understand it, and a lawyer is going to be expensive. I'd rather save the money right now because I might be starting a business and I need a budget. I got to spend it towards marketing. Like, we'll just read this as English. 
You know what I mean? Right. Um, but I think a lot of the people don't realize is when you are presented with a contract, a lawyer probably drafted that, and whoever paid for that lawyer to draft it is not drafting it in favor of you guys mm-hmm. or the, re- the recipient of that contract. It's just mm-hmm. not. Otherwise, why did for what? Yeah. You know what I mean? Everyone has a business. Everyone's trying to benefit themselves to the best that they can. And most things, I would just like to say, everything is negotiable. Mm-hmm. So um, that just depends on leverage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, but when it comes to the entertainment space, uh, particularly, I mean, look, there's a lot of young guys, again, that, you know, certain situations in law, yeah, it is expensive. You know, Susan, you got to have money up front. Right. But entertainment doesn't work like that, entertainment lawyers. We take a percentage of what our clients make. Mm-hmm. So most young guys just think lawyer and then they get a contract in front of them or women got a lot of female rappers right now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to take the credit away. But, you know, they get a contract put in front of them and they see $50,000. $75,000 and they never seen more than $2,000 a shot yeah. ever at one point, like boom, right in their hands. Mm-hmm. So they think their life is about to change, but they don't realize that that really can't change your life mm-hmm. all that much or really for that long a period of time, especially yeah. if you don't know what to do with that money. Mm-hmm. So, um, and nine times out of 10, if someone's offering you as an entertainer or something, they can probably give you more, right? Yeah. They're trying to keep the bag for themselves in the back. So, you know, everyone I think absolutely should have a lawyer look over something um, especially in the entertainment space, because like I said, we don't charge up front. We try to increase the value of the deal because that benefits everyone. You know what I mean? Yeah. And nine times out of ten, we will increase the value of the deal mm-hmm. and put you in a better position. Wow. So, so in those types of situations, you know, walk us through the relationship. Is it you primarily with, say, the manager? Is it you d- directly with the talent? Like, how is it that you get brought into it? Um. <clears throat> It depends on where uh, the clients are at in their career. If they're starting out, they probably don't have a manager. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'll do a lot more with the artist or the producer or writer, whatever it is, themselves. And I'll have to play a little bit more of a manager role because nine times out of ten, someone in that position in the beginning doesn't really understand the terms, the terminology, the lingo, what to ask for, mm-hmm. what's being presented to them, whether that's fair, whether it's not fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of have to take more of a role there and step in. Um, when you get more established people, they got management, um, they have people who know the terms, they know what's up, they get things done, they negotiate the terms, then they bring it to me. And it's like, all right, we got this, we're doing this record, um, this is who they're working with, these are the terms, let's get it papered. And then, you know, at that point, I'll reach out to another attorney, or the other attorney reach out to me, and we get it done. And if it's a record deal situation, then it'll be a label or a distribution company that we're dealing with. Oh, okay. No, it's interesting. And then, I know we talked about pivots a little bit so you mentioned having working with a firm and then starting your own practice what were what was that experience working with a firm and then were there any transferable maybe lessons learned that helped you when you were putting together your own practice um it's a loaded question um (laughs) overall i appreciate my experiences with the firms that i've worked with um, I worked with three firms until I got here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciate all those experiences because I built transferable skills, right? And although in those times when we're in those situations and in those jobs mm-hmm. that we might be in and we might hate it and it gets the best of us sometimes and you're just like, how can I do I can't do this anymore, whatever it is. Like I feel like a lot of people have those like breakthrough moments or those, you know, those real pressure moments where they realize they gotta do something more than what they're doing right now. Yeah. Right. And for me, you know, a lot of people come out of law school, they make 180, 
almost $200,000 out, out the jump working mm -hmm. for big law and stuff like that. I didn't want to work big law because I just not a life. I wanted to work life balance and I just it wasn't something for me personally. And um, everywhere I went initially undervalued me, undervalued me heavily. Yeah. Right. So I found myself kind of dig out with these with these student loans and all this other stuff. And um, a part of it is because of my choices to like pursue entertainment. So right away, I didn't go for the best job I can get because I didn't really care. Mm -hmm. To be honest, mm -hmm. I wanted something else. Right. Um, so I had to dig out of that hole. So it was tough. So I had people that, you know, undervalued me, um, didn't pay me what I felt like I deserved to be paid, what I saw the people around me getting. Um, felt like I kind of had a chip on my shoulder a bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, but it made me work harder because mm -hmm. I knew that wasn't going to be the end. Like, this can't be it. Like, I didn't do all this to be here now. And this yeah. is what it is. Right. So it kind of built a certain level of character in me to handle my own business in a certain type of way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've had some great bosses. I've had some not so great bosses. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And the great bosses taught me things that I appreciate, um, that I stick with me now, whether it's how I run my business and how I treat my employees or people that work with me. Um, it's how I manage, manage my workload, time management, is all these case, the caseload and everything that I have. Um, but then I have the bosses that I didn't, that I'm really not too fond of, that I don't, that I, I, you know, at the time, I wish I never had to really deal with them. But right. now, it kind of built something in me, taught me what not to do yeah. and yeah. how to not treat people and mm -hmm. how to not, you know, handle my own because of how that can affect others. You know what There's I mean? Always the lessons in those um, So all these things come together yeah. and kind of put me where I'm at now. So I appreciate all those experiences and they help me. You know, build things so, you know, they say there's beauty in the struggle. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and I think you got to really take time and appreciate that. It's just a lot harder to do it when you're in those situations than, yeah. you know, when you have a hindsight type of deal. For sure. For sure. So when did you launch your business? Um, and then kind of what was your hardest hurdle that you had to get over initially launching? Um, <clears throat> so I launched my business a year after I got out of law school. So I launched my business in 2016. Oh, nice. Um, and I was still working for someone at that time, but I was doing real estate and litigation right. matters with that particular firm, mm -hmm. and I wanted entertainment. Mm -hmm. So while I was doing that, and while I was like rapping and like running recording studios and stuff like that, I was also trying to take on clients that would come through the studio and different things like that. Like, yo, you need a lawyer? Like, let me let's let's <laughs> work. This dude, he, get, he, he getting on a beat with somebody. Be like, yo, by want. the way, you need a lawyer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh, you need a lawyer, and I start working with people for free, for real. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, just trying to get my hands wet and hopefully, or get my feet wet and hopefully, you know, something will come my way. And yeah. at the same time, I was doing a lot of building mentors and like people that I could look up, look up to. Give me the information. Can I do something for you for free? Like, can you just show me? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Can I see? Can I just be a visual? Can I take you out for coffee? Can You know what I mean? Like, all these different things to try to get to know people, build network, build relationships to kind of get myself to where I needed to be. Um, it was, uh, how should I say this? I had another one. I had, I had one of these moments the last time we were. We, were <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got it. Um. But in terms of getting your, your, your getting it started, right? In in yeah. terms of getting it started, like the relationships are just super important. Yeah. 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 Exactly. At the end of the day, and you just kind of got to build those things. And um, I I tried to do a lot of those things for free, which ultimately kind of gave me a space where I could bring things to people that I ended up meeting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To show me, like, hey, I got this for somebody. Yeah. What does this mean? Mm -hmm. And someone explained it to me. Mm 
Because okay. what I've learned is even where I'm at now, I have people that come to me and it's like, hey, can you help me? Can you help me? And there's the people that just kind of ask and like expect you to do things. And then yeah. there's those people that come to you that you can tell have like a spark. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like they really want to know about what they're bringing you and they're really thinking about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the people that saw that in me kind of helped me catapult to where I am today. So, mm-hmm. you know, all those relationships and like all those different ways of trying to navigate this career space. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think they're all important, but yeah, it's, it was it was a lot of different uh, aspects to building this where it is now. But you touched on a lot of a lot of important things that we as entrepreneurs, regardless of if you're breaking into to music or into law or into really any kind of field, you as an entrepreneur have to be able to have a certain degree of willingness to put yourself out there yeah. to be able to have grit. I mean, you talked about doing things for free, a willingness to work for free to be able to make it. Mm-hmm. You know, those are things that we can all relate to because in order to get here, we all had to be able to be willing to put ourselves in positions that we weren't even sure if they were going to work out. But what are some of the skills that you think from an early age, you know, you mentioned you were around your family who were lawyers and professionals. What are some of those skills that you think you had that by the time you got there, you were like, well, I just got to do this because I know from experience or from the experience of others that if I want to make it, I have to be able to do this. Um, I think it comes down to work ethic. Mm-hmm. And when I was growing up, like, my father would always tell me, like, listen, whatever you're doing right now, just understand you need to, where the spaces and the rooms that you're entering into right now, understand you need to be 10 times better. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of 10, when you're in those rooms, there's not a lot of people that look like you. So whenever you say or do something, you reflect on everybody else in these people's eyes that look like you. You know what I mean? So you do something crazy, y'all look kind of crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So for me, it's a work ethic and just, you know, holding, making sure that I held myself in a certain type of light when I was out in the professional world, especially. Mm-hmm. The rest of it kind of just falls into place. You know what I mean? Because yeah. if you don't really got the work ethic, then none of, re- none of the rest of it is really going to come through for you, at least in my opinion. Unless you get lucky, but even lucky ones, you get it. And without the work ethic, you can't keep it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You talked about a lot, a lot about um, relationships and the relationships that you had to keep to get you to where you are now. Um, how did you keep up with those relationships? Um, how often were you reaching out to people to kind of just, you know, check back in, connect? What was that like for you? Um, so it's a networking thing for me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the beginning, when you really want something and you're trying to get somewhere, you start networking with everybody. I was going to like conferences here, going there, just trying to get in the room with people. Mm -hmm. And everybody, like I I come with my like, I prepare, I research who's going to be there. I know what you did. I know what you worked on last. I know all these things about you. I might even know if you just had a kid just so I can talk to you (laughs) about it. Congratulations, you know what I mean? Um, And it it started to be like this kind of game where it's like, all right, like how can I learn this? All right. And I had like a spreadsheets, like I'm going to take this person out to coffee and this, that, and the third. But what I learned is throughout all that networking is not everyone is going to be your person. Mm. Mm, All right. Mm. Everyone thinks like, you know, I started feeling some type of way. Certain people I talk to, like, why are you not really giving me that attention? Like, why aren't you like reciprocating at all? Like the energy, the energy, you Mm. know what I mean? And I just kind of learned like, you know, I see them getting drawn to this person or this person getting drawn to that person. And I'm like, all right, I learned everyone's not your person. So I started trying to build genuine relationships with people after that it wasn't so much about what you can do for me mm. or how you can get me here or what you have or what i want Thanks. it was more about like can i connect with you as an individual like mm. can we be colleagues and like i can talk to you 
You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. can we build some type of friendship that actually means something beyond the dollar signs? Yeah. You know what I mean? So now, um, with that method, all the people that I keep around me that have that were my mentors in the beginning are now like real friends to me. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like they like care about these people and vice versa. So I think um, the biggest token I can give to a lot of people trying to get somewhere and build relationships is just make sure they're genuine. Because mm-hmm. those are the ones that's going to go the long way, you know what I mean? Because yeah. yeah. um, even you know my break, into the, my real, real break into the entertainment space, at least the music space where I wanted to really be, is um, you know I met a, a, a gentleman named Bob Celestin back in 2016. And we were on a flight going to a conference, a legal entertainment law conference. And um, he was one of those people that I just didn't feel like I had that pressure to keep, like, you know, trying to talk to. Like, I would just see him. We just kind of vibed well. And, you know, when he had an opportunity, he kind of reached out to me. He was like, hey, I got something. Would this work for you? Mm-hmm. And that was that. Yeah. And that's how it goes a lot of times. You know what I mean? Like, there's situations where, you know, there's people that I have under me that I mentor now. And, like, people say things. And I'm like, this might be good for this person. But that's because we have a connection. Yeah. I'm not thinking about the people that are just like, hey, can you do this for me? Type of right, deal. Right, right. So, you know, genuine relationships are is a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it, oh, no, no, yeah. And I, I think that makes tons of sense, especially what you're talking about with like networking, genuine connections, and not always aiming high, but also looking laterally too, so you can build with people. But you talked about your break. So, as you were getting your feet set into music, what was the moment in which you began to feel? Oh, this is this is my this is my real opportunity. I've made it. What was that moment like? What can you describe it? Um, so I worked on some TV stuff uh, mm-hmm. and some film things with, you know, an employer that I was with before I started my own practice. But um, when I left there, it was around 2020 and um, like summer ish of 2020. And Bob had contacted me and he um, asked me if I wanted to help work on a Pop Smoke project, which came out. 2020 summer right. called Fate, oh, right. and I did that project. See, you guys, you guys try to get me right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that project, and um, that's when I kind of felt like I'm working on something substantial. You know what yeah. I mean? Like this is this is big, mm-hmm. right? And um, I felt like this is, and it's something that I wanted. I remember when that album came out. It was midnight. It dropped. I was by myself. Nobody was with me, and I went out to my backyard and I just listened to it and like. Bro, the emotion was so crazy. Yeah. yeah. I'm tight at y'all right now. Yeah. <laughs> we said we was going to get him crying. We got him. <laughs> so the emotion was just so crazy because it was like, yo, yeah. I've been working so hard for this yeah. mm-hmm. for so many years. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And like now, it's like this is out. I hear this on the radio. I hear this everywhere. It's like, yeah. I know I'm one of the people that's behind this. Yeah. yeah. And um, that was like a surreal moment, yeah. honestly speaking. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only time I've ever felt like that was when I passed the bar. Mm-hmm. And like I was in my car when that happened, and I like you got you know to your mouth. I got like super emotional. Like yeah. I like yelled out. Like I was like spanging on my steering wheel. Hey. I was on the corner. I was just going crazy. Um, but yeah, that that was when I really felt that I knew where where I, where I was at and where I was going. And you know, I had caught traction. And it was gonna, you know, it was probably gonna be up. For that's me. amazing. And look, that's that's what it's all about. You know, you put in all this work because you want to get to at least some kind of mountaintop, and it's not the pinnacle of pinnacles yet that you're going to be able to say, this is the greatest thing I've ever done. But at that point in time, it shows you that the work that you were putting in was valuable enough that you made something out of it. And now you have momentum to keep going. But in terms of where you're going next with it, what, where does, you know, the Wellington law group 
scale up? What does that look like for you? Um, I'm one of those like five year plan people. Mm-hmm. Every five years, I try to reevaluate what I did in the last five years. Yeah, and it kind of part of it kind of sucks. Is like that means you're getting older, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got all these like five year periods behind you. That's like, all right, what I do this for these five years. So you know, for me right now, you know, I'm kind of getting to a space where you know I'm bringing people on board to help me with the workload, what's going on, mm-hmm. just building the practice. You know, eventually I have a nice like office out in the city that's all glass windows and stuff like that yeah. we, do, we do our next one in there that's lit yeah. and um y'all heard it here hey man but they, y'all know man i say i'm trying to i'm trying to do it i'm trying to do it so yeah. I, i'm yeah. not i don't have any doubt you're that not a talker happen. you would do um it. so you know for me in the next five years i just plan to scale up build the business mm-hmm. get a few more attorneys under me and just you know keep doing the thing i want to be one of the most you know one of the premier law firms out here in entertainment and real estate that they have Love that. Love that. All right. So what we're going to do to wrap up, um, we have our segment called Culture Questions, where you might get a question from what type of legacy are you um, wanting to leave here to um, what's your favorite new artist right now? So go ahead. Take a shot. I don't know. I got to lift this up. I don't think. No, just put your hand. Your hand might not fit. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need no accidents. Mm Mm-hmm. going on hopefully this is the one that gets some emotion oh lord (laughs) yeah you got it you got a little bit this wasn't yeah you got a little bit um this one says what's your midnight munchie snack (laughs) you got a fun one all right um so i got a few i got i got a few top two top two hmm all right so i got a i got a throwback right now Mm-hmm. Which is some nerds clusters. Oh wow! Okay, okay. Is that the rope joint? Nah. Oh, it's still a little chewy. It's, oh. it's the rope, but they're chopped up in circles. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so we bang with those. Okay, we've been chilling on those lately, just because you know we're trying to be a little healthier and right. Right. cavity. Right. Keep it right. <laughs> we in our thirties. We in our thirties, bro. Yeah. You gotta start watching things and paying attention to stuff. Facts. Um, but outside of that, um. It's tough, man. It depends on it depends on what's going on. I'm a I'm a I'm a late night snacker. Oh, anyway. Yeah. I'm a late night snacker anyway, so it's a mood thing. But I'll yeah. go with all right. So I say this. It's probably like some Reese's or some Doritos. Cooler ranch. Snack person. Something like that. You taking it back to the corner store? <laughs> yeah, that's know, the order. Or some spicy popcorn. Oh, oh. spicy popcorn. What makes it spicy? Like hot sauce. Nah, they got like the oh the seasoning. Yeah, little seasoning. Oh, okay. You add it to it, or you so, buy it nah, with that nah, cup nah. like that? It's, it's seasoned. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not making no homemade popcorn. Nah, bro, I do that. I homemade popcorn was the wave. It's good. Uh, I made well. It don't sound like you made it well. I, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> yeah, I, we tried um, making popcorn, like putting it in like a pot. Yeah, like yeah. That. that works too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but you don't get the you'll get the season it the right way. Yeah, throw some stuff on there. But I mean, we cheating because we take it out of, like the bag and like spin it. <laughs> <laughs> it's already seasoned. Yeah, Mix it yeah. up. Mix it up. But, That's funny. Yeah. Um, I know I gave you a bunch of snacks, but I mean, whoever's listening, you got some options. <laughs> if you didn't know, Christopher is a snacker. Yeah. Uh, but not nah, Chris, it's been amazing to, to learn a little bit more about you. Again, we've known you for so long, but I feel like every time we talk, we learn more about your journey and what it takes for you to get to where you are now. Uh, we're proud of you. We thank you for coming on our show. 
And we're excited to see where you take it with Wellington Law Group and, and when you eventually get to that corner office with the, the glass mirrors. Yeah. We'll All be right. there. Appreciate yeah, you. we'll All be right. there. This has been another episode of the 1111 Podcast. Thank you for joining, and we'll see you the next time. Peace. Peace, y'all.